Hello, my name is Jenny Fournier. I am one of the most beautiful, fantastic, competent people that Elise has ever met in her life, and I played a big role in helping her with this project. And I'll be reading her forward in thanks, because she can't do it without sobbing uncontrollably and reminiscing on how much she was able to accomplish through the company of some truly fine friends. She's kind of a simp like that, and that's okay. Now I'm going to say some forwardy things and some musings about failure and creating things. I'll keep it short, but if you want to skip to the story, go to minute 240. As the wise Charles Dickens once said, it was the worst of times. I find that to be a very true phrase for this phase of our lives, or at least very easy to view it as such. A professor, Rhett Ludke, said something recently about life in terms of deserts and oasis. We tend to live as if a majority of life is the desert, the horrific shitstorm that we need to slave through to get to the end goal, a perfect oasis where we don't have to fail or hurt anymore and can just enjoy things. He doesn't believe that this place exists. Instead, he mused that the desert and oasis are a harmonic experience, that life is the cyclical journey through both, sometimes both at the same time. How best to describe, 2020 is a desert. No question about it. That six-month homebound quarantine was a desert. This election is a desert. Not being able to do live theater or hug my friends is a desert. But that time we were suddenly gifted to create things was an oasis. Coming back to school, changed as it was, and seeing the people that I admire and love and getting to work with them again, that's a good thing. In this horrible, dramatically god-awful year that is 2020, we made something. Together, we created an oasis, even though the circumstances surrounding us didn't change. Perhaps it's less about how long the desert stroll is and more about the quality of your traveling party. Elise truly would not have brought this story to light without me and everyone else that is listed at the end of the hour. So cheers to our desert caravan. If any of this speaks truth to you, feel free to hop on and join a ride. This is the beta pilot of The Average Folks, episode one. It is 4 a.m. The sky is a bruised black and blue. We are somewhere near a valley in the red grass slathered hills surrounding it. Between these hills runs a road, bumpy with uneven stones and cracked concrete. All is quiet, aside from the sputtering of a standard-issue red SUV. Here it comes now. This is driven by a boy named Dylan. For this specific meet-and-greet, Dylan has meticulously picked out an orange flowery button-up, with the sleeves rolled promptly twice, just above the bicep. Khaki shorts that, when he sits, he sits very specifically as not to wrinkle them, and compression socks for circulatory health. He finds the hill he is looking for. It is slightly taller than the rest, a bit flatter at the peak. That'll do. He pulls off the main road. Dylan forewent bringing a coat due to aesthetic reasons. The dry chill in the air begs him to have reconsidered. He collects his resolve and combs the peak of this hill for the perfect place to set up the circle. There. He finds a shallow spot in the grass, satisfactory in size and terrain. He produces a small bag from his pocket and a mini ruler, dumps seven identical pieces of rounded yellow rocks into his palm, and sets to work. Exactly 11 inches apart, He lays the stone in a circle, a little larger than a hula hoop, careful with how his khakis crinkle as he crouches. When he finishes, he double-checks the angles, the distance each stone holds apart from the other. He waits. He watches. One second goes by, then two. A light flickers beneath the seventh rock. She did it. Nice. That's a good sign. It is, isn't it? He stands and waits for the prophetess. bit impatiently. He double-checks his watch. 4.06. He definitely is not early. She is late. Ah! Fuck! Ha! 
fashionably. There is a woman in the circle that was not there before. She stands quite wild-eyed before Dylan, breathless and surprised. She's taller than him, which isn't rare, but definitely a mental hurdle. Always. Her hair is cropped, and the dull grayish color of a brewing cumulonimbus cloud. She seems younger than her hairline, wears a blue button-down, and what we assume used to be white pants. Now they are green and red, with tears in the knees. When she looks at Dylan, her left hand, bearing a particularly menacing walking stick, whitens its grip. Dylan throws his hands out, welcoming. Hey, hello, are you Tara? You're not Logan. No, no, I- I'm Dylan, his personal assistant. I- I'm kind of like your acting chauffeur this morning. I'm taking you to Valis. Valis, right. Thank you. Tara looks at him alert, eyes wide, before briskly walking down the hill. Oh, all right. He notices that she doesn't have any luggage, save for a backpack on her back, a large embroidered satchel, and the stick. Her satchel's lid is torn clean off. Rough morning? Sure. Her boots part the red grass with a kick. Her open bag dusts the ground with opaque bottles and crumpled papers. Mystified and a little doe-eyed, Dylan trails behind Tara, picking up the trinkets she is leaving behind. Um, do you know your bag is a little broken? I do, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Um, you're dropping a lot of stuff. Oh, shit. But I got, like, most of it, I think. Tara softens her pace to watch Dylan stack the bottles and slips of paper in his arms. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah, my apothecary stash got ripped up pretty bad. Apathy stash? Apothecary? It's medicine, herbs, instructions, stuff like that. Oh, gotcha. Wow, it's so cool. Does it have, like, your prophetic magic spells, potions? Um, no. More like medicines, herbs, instructions, stuff like uh, that. Uh, oh, got it, got it. Is this all you have? Apparently. They've reached the vehicle. Dylan watches Tara throw her backpack and broken bag carelessly into the back seat. He helpfully dumps his collection of littered items into it. She seems to finally notice the state of her pants and takes a moment to fuss at the tear in the right knee. Great day. Dylan opts not to mention that she's getting blood on the upholstery. Um, are you like okay? Fine, I just really would like to get going. What happened to you? Uh, nothing much. Just got a little cut. Tara bristles against the breeze, refusing to blink. She slowly pans silk over her shoulder. She sees something that Dylan does not. What? How did you- Dylan watches as Tara is suddenly tossed into the air like a ball. Or a rag, perhaps. A few yards from the car. She lands in two rolls and a flop. Dylan blinks at the spot she had stood. Expectant. Um, hello? Over here. Uh, I'm over here. It's totally normal to feel a little jumpy your first day. No. I was thrown. Tara has been flung. That's a better word. It's more precise. Thrown? By what? Are you okay? Oh, shit. Can you hand me my staff? Where is it? It's behind you! When she says it, Dylan can only assume she means the stick. No, she means the source of the mysterious ticking sound. He turns and sees nothing. But to his right, in the grass a few yards ahead of her, he finds the staff. He picks it up at a cringingly slow pace. Uh, so you're thrown. What yeeted you? Just give me that. Dylan, throw me that now! This clicking isn't for him, and thus he can't hear it. Just Tara. And us. It's no problem. I can walk it over. We got literally all day. Hand (laughs) it to me now! Reflexively, Dylan flinches, chucking the staff in her direction. Tara catches it and swings. What? Dylan may not have heard the clicking or seen the clicking thing, but he definitely notes the new jelly-like blood that drips from the tip of Tara's weapon. Did you Is something dead? Yeah! I think maybe it might be. It? She stares at the ground behind him. Dylan follows her gaze, wondering what kind of thing lies there that he can't see. Then, not knowing what else to do, he offers his hand. 
Tara takes it. Thank you. Okay, to the car, please. Are you okay? Oh, I'm fine. What just happened? Did something hurt Start the you? car, please. I mean... We need to go now! Promptly frazzled, Dylan flops into the driver's seat and starts the gas. Tara jams the bloodied stuff into the back. is bluer than it was. The grass seems bloodier against it. The clock reads 4.17. Do you have, like, a favorite radio station, or...? Uh, oh, this is great. The fans. Dylan, you said? Uh, yeah. Tara? Yep. Hey, where's Logan? He said in the letter that he would be the one picking me up. He was caught up with some work and stuff. Couldn't make it. Paperwork at 4am. Nice. Yeah, his words. I'm his personal assistant, though, and I've been completely informed. I think. Tara studies him with a dash of what Dylan reads as consternation. He wonders if this is a profit thing. He's getting a little sweaty. So, any Villigo. Excuse me? Sorry, your skin? Tara refers to the splotchy blanched spots that pepper Dylan's body as if he is a painted pony. They wrap around his right eye, trickle over his left ear, and cradle his chin. Oh, Vitiligo. Yeah, it's always been like this. I get a little new spotty boy every year or so. Keeps me on my toes. I've never seen it like that. Like, what, this much? Yeah. Not to say, like, that it looks No, bad. totally. I love it. Really, super. I'm, I mean, it is great. Yeah, I mean, I was a little self-conscious about it growing up. Then I got over myself, you know? Besides, no one in the dating pool has ever had complaints. Tara smiles. Dylan smiles back. And they take this moment to smile at each other. That is until the vehicle jerks as something thuds onto the top. Heavy. Shit. Whoa, we got some wildlife hitchhiking? You hear that? Is that bad? That's not great. It tries to punch a hole through the roof and fails. A small dent plume bobs over Tara's head. It succeeds with the rear window. The vehicle swerves, running over the safety sidelines, adding to the cacophony with loud thumps. Watch the road! Okay, what are you seeing? Watch the road! Dylan yanks the wheel, narrowly missing the divot on the side of the road. Keeping her eyes on the gaping hole in the trunk, Tara feels around the back seat for her walking stick. Something joins them in the car. Something makes eye contact with Tara. She swings, and something slinks out the back. Tara's facing the front again, chest heaving, her staff nestled in her elbow. Wynne looks up the hair from their necks. Dylan makes direct eye contact with the road through the gaping hole in the trunk. Oh, I tell Logan. I'll talk to him, don't worry. Great, yes, good, good. So... What? It's been following me all night. What has? I don't know. Is this like... like a profit thing? Uh, sure. Love to hear it. Is it gone? Yeah. Yes. I'd speed up, though, if I were you. Tara notes a slight chipping at the point of her staff. Upon further investigation, a crumple of greenery breaks into dust in her fingers. Fuck. Are prophets allowed to cuss? People are usually too afraid to tell me differently. But what about... you know... Dylan gestures to the ceiling. They're pissed too. Hey, how long is the drive? About an hour and a half. Cool if I just take a quick nap? Totally, yeah. Go for it, folk. Thanks, Dylan. Tara's small snores help keep Dylan alert. Well, that and the gaping hole in the back of his employer's vehicle. He glances back at it every now and then and tries to rationalize. 
He didn't see anything, which was apparently good to Terra. Or was that bad? He definitely saw Terra get yeeted into the sky, and he witnessed that whole thing with the trunk. Hitchhikers, maybe. A wild animal? Probably. The official headcanon that he settles on is a very speedy mountain lion. They coast through the quiet hours of dawn. The dark blue sky becomes purple, then pink, then another type of blue. The red hills are replaced by flowering trees, then farmland, then a different, pointier type of tree. A birch, if you're more curious about local trees than most, like someone named Brian. Tara? Hey, Tara, wake up. We have customs. Sorry, uh, what are they? Do we have to do something once we... No, like, customs? Oh. Security outposts. Oh! They've come to a stop outside a small kiosk composed of wood and stone. A folk stands outside of it waiting for them. They are young and bored-looking, but certainly not boring-looking. Flame-blue hair spikes out on all sides of their head, bangs sticking straight up like a cowlick. Thick black eyeliner engulfs their eyes, and they are holding a string cheese stick. I think we all have absolutely no choice but to instantly stand. They wave wildly as the car slows to a stop. Dylan rolls down the window. Dee! Willow! They gave you the graveyard shift? That's not a vibe. <laughs> Worth it when I see you! What are you doing up and looking that good at 6 a.m., D? It's a violation! <laughs> LOL! Ah, uh, can I get by with a warning? No, I'm writing you up right now. I'll see you in court, BB. <laughs> and who's this? I haven't seen you before. Hey, I'm Tara. Tara! That's so unique! Your little gray getup, I'm dead. My name is Willow. I'm a border kiosk guard, which are fancy words for hi, welcome. I'm gonna love you and protect you, both because it's my job and because you've got solid vibes. What you up to here, Terabu? Terabu. Tara mouths to Dylan. She's the new prophetess for Valis. Prophetess. Willow mouths to Dylan. The wise woman. Oh, oh I thought we already had one of those. Yeah, uh... Helga actually died three years ago. Three years? Is that true? You haven't had a prophetess for three years? Ha, uh, nope. <laughs> so you'll be Valis's resident prof? D here's picking you up, so does that mean you'll be housing with the lies? Yep. <laughs> Breathe this in. What? The bliss of hopeful ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> The last shard of glass hanging onto the trunk falls. Willow leans into Dylan's window and peers directly through the trunk. Hey, uh, what happened to Logan's car? Uh, yeah, um, so Speedy Mountain Lion? Woofta <laughs> woofta! You know what they say about mountain lions in the morning! Dylan does not. I do not. If Tara does, she's not letting on. What are they? Do they? Uh, yeah. I'll keep that in mind. No plans to smuggle fruit across the border this morning, right? Nah. <laughs> Thank they. Also, a reminder to hit me up. We got a club again. And with Dune! Woo! Oh, no doubt. Fodale Alehouse? Anywhere else, I will boycott. <laughs> okay, I'll let you crazy kids go. Welcome to Ballast Terra. Willow waves them through. As Dylan pulls forward, they raise a hand high. The trees break into a clearing, and we are now in the territory known to this world map as Valis. Tara doesn't trouble herself with the scenery. It's too early for that. I won't trouble you, either. Not yet. Let's pan away and greet Tara's welcome committee. At the mouth of Lyoth Hall stand Ellie and Dune Lyoth, respectively. It is 5.45 a.m., and the two have greeted the hour with stark difference. Ellie has at least mimicked presentability. A very blue dress blasts her curves a fanfare of compliments. Her hair wreathes her face in a raven mane containing enough awe-inducing volume to render you deaf. Hopefully it doesn't, though. This is an audio adventure. She holds herself high, 
perched in a constant state of expectance. Dune has taken a different approach. The man has simply thrown a red bathrobe over his briefs. His blonde hair is tied in a topknot, five o'clock shadow on full display. The wind intermittently peels back the bathrobe and, hey, if you were curious, the briefs pattern consists of a quite delicate cursive print of the human penis. If you weren't, neither was Ellie, but here she is, and here we are. Are you kidding me, Dune? Well, I don't understand why you're dressed for a picnic. We've got to put a good foot forward. It's fucking 4 a.m., L. Almost 6. And it's our first impression on the new wise woman. Yeah, so might as well make it accurate. Dune non-discreetly smuggles some loose pills out of his bathrobe pocket and swallows them dry. Where's Eller? Sleeping. That checks out. <laughs> Could you at least pretend to be excited? I'm excited to see Dill. <laughs> yeah, me too. So I can tell him he really fucked up at getting Dad off his ass. Their dad's red SUV pulls into the driveway. They see the soft shape of their favorite employee. Ellie and Dune watch him park, meticulously keeping the front of the car facing the house. What is he doing? I don't know. That's not a marked parking spot. Yeah, that's why I asked that. The passenger door swings open, and the siblings see a pair of foreign boots hit the gravel. Something in their chests flutter. Something in their stomachs slurch. Get ready for the brimstone. She's going to be great for Valis. For us. Like Helga was? Yeah, those damnation prophecies were pretty lit. You know it's majorly metaphorical. Dylan and the new gray-haired prophetess haul a very small amount of baggage between them. Ellie breathes out a smile. Dune holds back a burp. Hello! Welcome home! From this respective distance, there is a moment of surveillance between the two parties of two. You'll understand the twinge in Tara's left brow when she makes direct eye contact with Dune's underpants. It does distract from the blinding transitional tan beginning at the knees, but great they. At what cost? Is that her? I guess. Her hair is so cute. Do you think it's like dyed? That or she's actually 300 years old. 300? Is that possible? Oh, yeah. Really? Really. No, no. That's fake. That's gotta be fake, right? That's not Logan. No, he's probably not up yet. So who are these people? His children. Well, half of them. Ah. Not like literal halves. Two old people. Two out of four. But but not, yeah. Yeah, I got that. Okay, great. Amazing. Just checking. Dill, did you forget how to park? Dune, did you forget how to dress? I did not forget. I forewent. Hi, Tara. Welcome to Lyoth Hall. Yeah. What happened to you? Uh, speedy mountain lion. Ellie's eyes become dinner plates. Dune's mouth becomes a saucepan. Dylan watches Tara with a sparkle in his eye. So he was right. What? That's crazy. Fuck. Are you, like, good? Yeah, she's okay. I'll be fine. I, what? Just wildlife, you know? I don't, actually. Oh, your poor pants. Oh, your poor bag. Tara. Yeah. Aw. And you are? Right. I'm Ellie, Logan's daughter. Logan's middle boy. Dune. Like a sand dune, but without the sand. Where did the sand go? Windy day. Sad. Hey, where's Logan? Oh, um, he's probably just getting ready upstairs. Asleep. He's asleep. Still, I set three alarms for him. Yeah, I heard them from two doors down. Also heard them get snoozed. What are you guys even doing up? He told us last night that we'd be a part of the welcoming committee. Which I guess translates to letting him sleep in. I'm so sorry, Tara. It's not usually like this. No one's face reflects this truth. But I really wanted to meet you anyways. We're so excited to have you. I, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Woohoo! Yeah, look, I, I just shaved last night and it's fucking cold. So, so we could stay out here where it's cold or we can go inside. I elect indoors. Dylan and Tara throw one last look at the car, then haste after Dune and Ellie. Morning light mists the entryway through towering windows. The ground is opaque tile with a deep blue carpet striping down the middle. In the center is a large set of double doors, and another to their immediate left. We're in kind of a renovation phase, so it's a little gaudy right now. The center doors lead to our meeting hall, which is where the territory meet will be happening later in the morning. Uh, Those doors over there are the public library. Down that right hallway is the dining room and kitchen. That's the easiest to remember. It's the big circle room. 
Tara will not retain any of this information. This gives you the freedom to not to either. Offices are down that left hallway. Logan's, Luciana's, yours. Don't get too excited. It used to be a closet. It's nice. I didn't say it was a small closet. What do you think of Lyth Hall? Uh, it's beautiful. It's big. Fancy. It's a bit much, yeah. They climb the stairs. Dylan departs with them on the second floor. I'll go check on Logan. If he's dead, tell us via cake. Red velvet, please. Comic Sans for the font. Got it. What kind of icing? Come to think of it, I'm not really like a cake guy, you know? Ooh, ice cream then? That would blow up my butthole, L. am lactose intolerant. I know that. You want to know how I know that? Because you say it three times a day, then insist you put shredded cheese <sighs> on everything. I can't be tamed. Dylan is off down the hall. He stops at a door near the end, gathers his composure, and knocks. Tara, Ellie, and Dune move onwards, up another flight. How many people live here? Uh, me, Dune, Mom, and Dad, Eller, and Mikhail. They're my two other brothers. Uh, Dylan. Agnes. And you, so eight. Agnes. Yeah, you know her? I don't know her well, but she's the one who got me the interview with Logan. She's a personal assistant too, right? Yep, she's Luciana's. Our mom. Wow, fate is a wild card. Big coincidence, more like. Neither of those are true. Ellie and Dune exchange glances as they make it to the third floor. Mystical. Ellie mouths to Dune. Dumb. Dune mouths to Ellie. This was our last wise woman, Helga's room. It may need some tidying up. <laughs> Hasn't been touched since she died. She didn't die in there, did she? No, no. Why? Would that be bad? Is her ghost here? Uh, no. Just curious. She died while she was away on sabbatical. Oh. Yeah, she had vertigo and teetered off a bridge. Oh, shit. A moment of, albeit, awkward silence for Helga. <clears throat> Ellie unlocks the door and hands off the key to Tara. Inside lies a large room, but a small living space. It is modest and dusty in here. A kitchenette is at their immediate right, a couch and TV just beyond. A bathroom is to the left, and next to it, another door. Tara guesses her bedroom. The walls are pale yellow, and there are quilts everywhere. I'm not sure everything is working and everything, but it sure has its charm. That's... A lot of quilts. Yeah, she was insane. She was sewing all the time when she wasn't telling us we were all going to get mauled to death by the darkness of our souls. Which is, that's like a load of shit, right? Too early to tell. Ha, cool. That's, fuck. Dune slouches into the corner of the room and begins nervously biting his thumbnail. Tara crosses the room to the opposite wall where large windows are hidden by heavy dust-laden curtains. Tara tugs on them once in an attempt to open them. The entire curtain rips off and limply sits on the floor. The three watch it for a bit. Mood. Are these curtains a quilt? Yeah. Ugh. We were kind of afraid to touch anything. Didn't want to mess with anything like sacred or prophetic auras or whatever. I appreciate the thought, but they're just quilts. Nothing to do with the work. I, I mean... You've been carrying around a walking stick. Is that part of the work? Maybe. Dylan walks through the open doorway and slumps on the couch in a puff of dust. <sighs> Is the cake in the oven? Nice continuity error, L. We settled on ice cream. Yeah, uh, Tara, I spoke with Logan, and he's going to connect with you briefly before the monthly territory hall meeting at 11, where you'll be introduced to the people. Tara's lips purse. Her third eye bursts into flames. Or it would if she had one. Dylan's would have as well, except this is the beginning of what he assumes will be a very typical day working for Logan Lyoth. He rather enjoys watching Tara experience this for the first time. She looks like she's trying hard not to look like she's blowing up a big balloon. That could have been explained beforehand, so that you wouldn't have to pick me up at 4 a.m., you think so, wouldn't you? That requires thinking. 
and a concrete concept of time. Dylan checks his watch, unhappy with the result. Shit. Sorry. Sorry, darn. Uh, I gotta head out. Logan wants me to check on the meeting room and then figure out a box for the profit request. Oh, and Tara, if you could make a list of things you need to replace or fix in here by the end of the day, that would be lit. Dylan's eyes skirt from the curtain on the floor to the lack of curtains on the curtain rod. That's a mood. That's what I said! Maybe just make a list of what you want to keep. I think it may be shorter. Will do. Do you get a break today? I'd like to think that driving to the hills and back was my break. Besides, it's almost lunch, right? Breakfast. Almost breakfast. Dylan's sad eyes shrink. I'll fix you a mimosa and leave it in the fridge. How's that? You're a stud, but I sure remain level-headed. Big day! We have a new member of the house. Oh? Who? The three look respectfully at Tara. Don't be coy, Tara. It's you. Huh. Sleep. Sleep will be good. Mystical. Dune mouths to Ellie. Stop! Ellie mouths to Dune. Let's leave her to it. Big day for you too, Tara. I'll walk you down, Dill. I'm headed back to my room anyway. Dylan stands a little straighter at this. Awkwardly formal. Uh, yeah. Cool. Okay. Bye, Tara. Yeah, I'll catch you at the meeting. Eleven, remember that. Thanks for everything this morning. Dylan beams at her, dutifully, allowing his eyes to flitter to her torn-up satchel. A bit of pain mixes with the politeness. They go. Ellie lingers in the kitchenette, teetering from toes to ankles, watching her new prophetess. She opens her mouth, then closes it again. A thought occurs, a thought leaves. Sounds try to climb their way up Ellie's throat, but her lips just won't part to let them through. Tara watches this all happen serenely, expectantly, a bit impatiently. What's up, Ellie? Nothing. Just happy to have a new wise woman around. I'm... I'm gonna go. Oh, okay. See you at the meeting. Try to get some rest. Thanks. And, finally, Tara is alone in a new place. We all know this sensation. Those first few moments in a new space that is ours, but it doesn't feel like it. Not yet. The walls will become familiar friends, but they aren't. They're yellow and weirdly fragrant. The fridge will be filled with our food, but now there's just one expired head of broccoli. Broccoli of all things. This is how Tara feels now. I'm sure it would be more dismal if she were less tired. She wanders to the window that the curtains have fallen off of. Her view is of the rocky cliff face that Lyoth Hall is pressed up against. How dull. She balls up the fallen quilt and discovers the trash bin. She stuffs it inside. She decides that her list of things to keep will go like this. The trash can, and... And? Uh, hmm. Maybe it's not a list, but a sentence. She changes out of her clothes and spends a total of five minutes trying to scrub out the grass and blood stains in the sink before finally forfeiting and leaving them to soak. Tara dumps out her apothecary bag on the table and grabs her notebook and her pen. She sits at the desk, noting how little support the chair serves for her lower back, and tries to remember. She is no artist, but she always does this. She draws the things she has seen that others have not. This notebook is relatively new. The sightings inside are relatively newer. Now she draws it. What had it looked like again? Feet pointed like needles. Four? No, it was an uneven distribution. Five. Its steps clicked, which likely meant... Toes. Reflective. Fast. What color? It was strange. Orange. No. Red? Like a sunset or the fruit. Like something burning. Oh. Tara doesn't have an orange writing utensil, so she lightly shades it in with her pencil. She admires her drawing, though admire is a rather positive word for it. Cringes would work better, visually. It looks like an eight-year-old did it. This is a running theme in the prophetic field. Terrible artists. Can't be good at everything, I suppose. For some, this is a tough pill to swallow. 
For Terra, well, she refuses to take that pill in the first place. <sighs> she scribbles some clarifying notes on the side. Dylan did not see or hear it. Good. That's good. But it had destroyed a car. That's not so good. She flips through the booklet again, making sure it's not a repeat. That this is one she hasn't seen before. Her calloused thumb picks at a nick in her staff. <sighs> Fuck it. Tara tosses the notebook with a thud. She shoves the pen in a drawer. She lays on the bed. On something lumpy? A quilt. Tara chucks it at the trash bin. She lays down again. She settles on top of the blankets, staff propped up against the bedside. And she looks up. Well, we're here. We are. Despite everything I told you. She really does not want to be here. I'm here. Is that good enough for you? We wouldn't have much of a story if that were the case, would we? But she isn't talking to us. This being that she refers to says nothing. She wasn't really asking them to anyways, but this silence is still residential, familiar, and always, always a little bit hurtful. She doesn't like to wait, yet she falls asleep doing just that. Five hours later, after drifting in and out of consciousness, Tara gets dressed for the Territory Hall meeting, feeling much worse than before. Nerves, you know. She wears a yellow top tucked into black pants, an outfit she coins as the powerful bumblebee. She brushes her teeth and grabs her staff. When she opens the door to her apartment, she sees that there is someone standing at the mouth of the floor three stairwell. Bogan? Is that you? Dylan? Dune? Tara adjusts her grip on her staff and casually walks further down the hall. Closer, we notice some things. It's humanoid, with a sort of head, but too tall, too colorful, too moist. Radiant blue juice seeps from it like a sponge exhaling, but the ick doesn't ever hit the floor. It just reabsorbs and changes shades, like some gravity-defiant fountain. If a shadow swallows color, this must be the opposite. Vibrant waves of clashing palettes pour out of this... thing. Tara isn't one to make assumptions, typically, but that... Definitely not Logan. What are you? It turns, clumsily, and stumbles down the stairs. <sighs> she follows it. Eller Lyeth is making a sandwich in the kitchen. He's serving a tastefully bland sweater and has decided to wear a belt today. He is skeletal and densely pale in every way and form. Pale short hair shaped by a wicked raven's peak. Pale bleak eyes. Some may say, at first glance, a pale disposition. Eller is never in a grand mood, per se, but he's a skosh preppier than usual today. If anybody were to ask him, of course he would deny this, but... Deep, deep down, he's excited that they're getting back today. They being his mother, Luciana Lyeth, partner to Logan Lyeth, with whom he has no qualms. Mikhail, Eller's half-brother, whom Eller only thinks about once a day when he passes by him in the hall. And Agnes, Luciana's personal assistant. Agnes is coming back today. Eller quite likes Agnes. Good form, that woman. Very convincing lips. Eller opens the fridge and fishes around for the cheese. When he closes the door, someone is standing there that hadn't been just now. Got you. They raise a large, oblong-shaped weapon. Wait! Ow! Fuck! The shadow staggers back. He sees now that it is a young woman clutching a walking stick. One with which we are fairly acquainted with by now. She has the audacity to act surprised. What are you doing? What? I'm making lunch. I live here. What are you doing? She looks Eller over a bit perplexed. 
Oh. Oh, you're Ellie and Dune's brother. Alex? No, uh, uh, Il- Elijah? Ellie's head takes a 25-degree tilt. I'm confused. Are you murdering me, or do you work here? I'm the prophetess. The huh? <sighs> Wise woman. Ugh, oh, shit. My ear's ringing, ouch. That's probably temporary. That's probably okay, then. He leans against the counter and presses his palm to his head. Upon wincing and pulling away, he dryly notes some red nestled into his fingerprints. He touches it again. Ringing and bleeding. Please don't do that. It's really unsanitary. Oh, sorry. Are you annoyed? I'd hate that. There is some seething eye contact. (sighs) He breaks it off to go fishing through the drawers for a knife. It's Eller. I'm Eller. Eller? Yes. Ellie and Eller. Yep. Are you guys the- She's about to say twins, but she swallows the word because she has eyes. No. You're apart. Different moms. Oh? Yeah, Logan had a real hoe phase on Lucy. Oh. So you're our new wise woman? Prophetess. Yeah. Are prophetesses always so belligerent? No, I was just- I really thought I saw- What's your name? Tara. Look, Tara. It's whatever. I'm gonna go eat my sandwich. Are you coming to the Territory Hall meeting? Why would I? There's gonna be some good information shared about my role in the community, and as a member of the house, I figured it would be helpful for Well, me. you'll obviously be around and armed, so I'll catch up. Bye, Tony. It's Tara. <sighs> what is it I said? He doesn't stick around for the answer. And, well, that's all for you. Tara takes a moment to herself in the kitchen. She feels a bit bad about drawing blood. She's confused as to where the figure at the stairwell went. She takes a quick peek around the corners and crannies of the kitchen, but it's gone. At the very least, it's not an acting threat right now. Besides, Tara has a meeting to get to in... She checks her watch. Ten minutes. Yikes. The same entryway she walked through this morning is churning with daily life. A rainbow sea of people walk through that main door and mosey into the meeting hall. She joins the wave and finds herself in a large room with rows of seats, facing a large table with four chairs behind it. Only one of them is occupied. It's by Dylan, who seems busy. Tara, welcome to my home. Tara recognizes this voice. I can assure you that while she has met several people who aren't Logan today, that is not the case now. Logan Lyeth stalks towards her. His silhouette casts the shadow of a mountain of a man. We see some of his children's traits scattered between the downturn of his eyes and other such places. Vastly broad, lightly bearded, and pleasantly becoming in that aging sort of way, Logan holds himself with distinction. One would be intimidated immediately, if one were not Tara. Logan, finally. It's a pleasure to meet you in person. How was the journey? Did the circle work out okay? Yep. Well, I mean, I was followed by a pretty mean-spirited creature from my end through the circle, so I should warn you about your car. (laughs) That's impossible. Only folks can make it through the circle. We thought, so I just wanted to assure you that I'll be looking into whatever mess Sounds like you had a stressful morning. I hope you're able to get some rest between now and then. Tara takes a second to stare at him, a bit despondent. His eyes are bright, well-rested. Tara blinks some battering fatigue from her eyes as a critique. She would tell him about the car later, then. One could put it that way. I was hoping I would have a chance to speak with you in more depth. Yes, my hopes as well. Let's meet sometime this afternoon. Yes, okay, but there are some things updated in the contract that you sent me two days ago that I'd really prefer to speak with you about before we hold a meeting with the entire territory. I don't see what wasn't clear, but... We can surely speak afterwards. I just want to make sure that we're on the same page for what my expectations are here in Ballas. You seem to think that I'm under your jurisdiction when actually... We're gearing up to begin soon, so let's talk later. I just have a few questions. It'll be super fast. Let's take our seats. This could have gone on for longer, the two of them stating the same thing in different ways. Tara takes the seat between Logan and Dylan, creating an actually quite stunning tableau depicting Papa Bear, Mama Bear, and Baby Bear in terms of height distribution. Dylan is Baby Bear. 
This chair is more comfortable than the one in her room. It still isn't great. The last chair on the left remains empty. Dylan, who's that for? Um, the head priestess. For the chapel, you know? Where is she? I don't know. Folks, we are met. Hello, and thank you all for joining us here at Lyeth Hall for our bi-monthly territory meeting. As most of you know, I am Logan Lyeth, chieftain of Vallis. We don't have much business to tend to today. Thank the great they. <laughs> first things first, I want you to remember that since we're approaching the summer season, days will be longer, sunnier. So remember to check up on those solar panels. Make sure they're in optimal position to get you enough sunlight to last us through the upcoming fall and winter. We don't get much sun when the rain hits, and you don't want to burn out halfway through. And, as some of you are already aware, we've got a new wise woman. Tara, would you like to introduce yourself? Say a few words. Yes! Hello! I'm Tara, and I'm thrilled and honored to be joining the community of Vallis as your residential prophetess. Sorry, the what? Tara glues the corners of her mouth a little higher. Hmm? Are you a wise woman or prophetess? It's just the same thing. Ah, uh, here we usually use the term wise woman. Prophetess is what my region, Mayor Opame, calls the practice. That's all. I'm sure I can respond to wise woman as well. It simply feels more like a compliment than a job title. <laughs> Tara feels a puff of confidence. She reverts back to the script. My expertise and skill transcends a strictly spiritual advising field. I also work in apothecary, consulting, second opinions, social justice disputes. If you want a full rundown of my services, it's in the program. It's on the guidelines. It's online. Starting tomorrow at 10 a.m., I am an active cog in this society's wheel. In addition to personal services upon request, I will be a second witness during issues of chapel and chief, seeing to it that you receive a well-rounded, unbiased advice. Well, hold on, Tara. Logan stands a bit hastily, shoving a casual hand in his pocket to balance the action out. Of course, I understand you've been trained in the craft a very specific way. Here, we've been thriving as chapel and chief without the prophetess for three years, so I imagine you'll be quite happy with the lessened workload, mainly servicing as an advisor only when we deem the matter unfit to figure out by ourselves. I'm not sure that's quite how it works. I don't even see the chapel representative here. They're busy with matters beyond our control at the moment. I'm simply stating that our previous wise woman stuck mainly to domestic issues. Some readings, light stuff like that. Ah, so you got to do what you wanted. Tara refers to her notes. And it looks like since Helga's absence, chapel attendance and chief consults have gone down by 37%, while crimes and unrest rises by 15 Your residents don't seem very happy. Can we all agree on these findings? There's a small sort of dissonance in the room, mainly consisting of Hesitant nods and averted eyes. You may have the opinion that they like it better around here without a prophetess, but there is no data backing up that it has been a benefit. Where are you getting those numbers? They were public files. So, moving past all the uncomfy parts of this, let's just start fresh, knowing that I know you all need help through services that you are not currently receiving. Logan's dark eyes burrow into hers. She meets this beam readily. Look, I'm not here to be liked. I'm not here to convert you. I'm here to help. This all being said, there is a request box in the back of the room. If you have any needs or inquiries that are included in those areas, write your name, how to contact you, and a detailed description of your need. Any further questions you have, you can drop by during my office hours, which will be posted later this week. Thank you. Logan teeters back into his seat. Tara sits decisively. Dylan taps Logan's elbow with his pen. <clears throat> uh, Logan, did you want to say the thing about cleaner parking notice? Oh, well, keep the parks clean. Dismissed. No, like, keeping parking spots clean. Like, you know how when people pull up and garbage falls out, or they open the door and it just doesn't get picked up? It's big and recurring right. issue. yes. Watch for garbage, just overall. Dismissed. works best for you for this. I'll find you when I have the time. Logan stands and leaves the table. Dylan finishes writing. Tara worries away at her staff. How do you think that went? Uh, I think it went more typically than you think. Um, just one thing I forgot. 
the request box is going to be outside your office after that. But if they want to add to it, they can take the effort to reach out. Oh, sorry. There's literally no way you would have known. She watches the line for the prophetic inquiry box grow, smiling, eyes bright. Tara's day blurs for your sake. It's a lot of being dragged around by these new members of her life in a daze. Namely Ellie, sometimes Dylan, as information is poured in one ear and out the other. Eller comes and goes like a ghost. Logan hasn't said another word to her, aside from the pleasantry at the dinner table. Can you pass the vegetables? No, the broccoli. To be fair, there were three different vegetable options. He could have specified. The jury's still out on Logan's trunk. That sits in the back of her mind. With it is the strange, gooey shape that coaxed her towards Eller before promptly exiting the chat. She's only gotten more tired and less sure. That billowing request box lingers, giving her overwhelmed brain a pretty acute rash. Just as Tara was planning on winding down for the day ahead, the hall lights up again. Our final three housemates must be home from their trip. The sun is down, the sky is black. Mikhail Lyeth stands in the kitchen, freshly returned from a week away on business. He casts a disassociative gaze into the freezer and weighs his options. Yes, he had thought a lot about margaritas between the circle and home, yet... Huh. There's something therapeutic about how awful this specific brand of whiskey is. <laughs> this Lyeth holds himself with something new. A precise form of bashfulness. Not exactly ashamed of his presence, but perhaps a bit apologetic for his resemblance to his father. He resembles Logan in terms of height and cadence, though this Lyeth's sepia skin tone and wiry auburn hair are a bit of an enigmatic mystery. Both is good. He unscrews the lid of the margarita mix, dumps the remaining whiskey inside, gives the concoction a good shake, then takes a sip. Oh. Ugh. It is not good. Mm. Actually. It is not terrible. This'll do. He is not picky. Their negotiation conference did not go poorly, but... It did not go well either. No. Perhaps it didn't. His psyche has been paying for it the entire trip home. The world is dizzy and loud and frightening. Things threaten to begin spinning and he remembers his breath. It's fine. Loosen your tie. In. And out. One. You get to sleep soon. That's nice, right? In. And out. Yeah, except we still have stuff to do tonight. I can't... In. And out. Two. On three. Three. Mike takes another long draw of his drink. Mikhail? Luciana Lyeth peeks in through the open door. Her ashen hair is pinned up with a hairpin struck through the center. She wears a purple-hemmed suit and maintains the same ivory poise of Eller and Dune. Same neutral grim line in the lips, just something a bit heavier in the eyes. Perhaps kinder. Perhaps sharper. Perhaps both. She surveys her half-son in that way that one looks at a closed-case mystery years down the line, still wondering exactly how it happened, but, as with her half-daughter Ellie, it is a case that Logan never bothered to help Luciana solve. What are you doing? Oh, fitness things. <laughs> How'd you like the territory of Silvis? The vineyards were nice. I didn't like Braxton all that much. Not at all, no. They really liked you. Think you could see yourself working that vineyard? I have a job. Is something wrong? I just... I kind of wanted a sec to be a... The word alone hangs in the air. Unsaid. Luciana nestles against the counter. Night isn't over yet. Logan wants to know how it went. And the new wise woman should be here, right? Ugh. Right. Damn it. Wonder how that will go. I've met her once before. She should work fine. What is that? Uh, two things that really don't go together. Trade you a smoke for a drink? Huh. Well, 
Mikhail doesn't like sharing things that have been touched by someone else's mouth. He sneaks the bottle back into the freezer and baits a curious look past her shoulder. Hey, where's Agnes? She's already in there, giving Logan the rundown so I don't have to. We should probably get going then. <sighs> You're right. They walk together through the hall, now dim, into the red circular room. Candles line the dining table. The fixtures above hang limply, quite dead. Our solar panels still aren't working. Eller gets broody at night. Must forget to turn it off. They should be moved to the south roof. The north doesn't get enough sun. <laughs> Preaching to the choir. In the dining room, Luciana and Mikhail see their family, personal assistants, and a random woman they will momentarily know as Tara. Logan stalks towards them, arms rigidly outstretched. Lucy, my love, how did the conference go? It was fine. They asked about you. Did we get the account? I mean, yeah. It took Mikhail and I half the day to even get them on nearly the same page price-wise, right? Well, we compromised. We have quite their a business. Bit. Are they taking our salt? There were some things we. You had should have to... been there. But did you get it? Yes, but it was a close call, Logan. If you had. Mikhail drifts away as Luciana and Logan hash things out, eeping towards his siblings and hmm, that bar. They spot him immediately. Mike, 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 Mike! Dune charges and loops his hands around Mike's neck, leaping into his brother's arms like a bride. <laughs> I missed you, buddy. Aw, thanks, Dune. Did you miss me? Oh, definitely. Did you bring what I asked you to? Nope. Ugh. You're a little bitch. And you're a little dependent. Fuck off. Right. Dune dismounts. Ellie takes his place, hanging on to Mikhail a bit more like a monkey climbing a tree. She looks up at him in that big-eyed, sisterly way. Hey, El. Hey, Mikey. I dislike that. I know. Come meet Tara. Who? Tara, this is my brother. Well, I am also... Yeah, but he's the one I'm excited about. Tara, who has not changed out of the powerful bumblebee, approaches him with a level of confidence that he doesn't dare match. His face is frozen in an albeit pleasant expression, but his eyes radiate an energy akin to a small, cornered animal. Uh, hi. Hey, uh... I'm Tara, the prophetess. Mikhail? Yep. Yeah, uh, just Mike. Good to meet you. Yes, you. As well. Tara and just Mike exchange smiles. It's a toothy and half-hearted affair. The interaction is consensually left at that. He's tired. She's tired. They'll figure out each other later. Hey, look who finally decided to show up! A younger woman makes eye contact with Tara. Black hair, sharp eyes, pencil skirt, but festive top. She smiles largely and waves smallly with her pen. Some of the panic lines dissolve from Tara's forehead. Agnes! Knew it'd work out. Hey, Tara. Agnes goes straight in for the hug. Tara is not a hug person, but she politely throws a reciprocating arm around her. Thank they. I hope I'll be a good fit. Oh, no worries. Ballast bars are on the floor, I promise you. <laughs> How's your first day been? Bit of whiplash. No one really knows what to do with me, do they? Yeah, totally. And I think it's just jarring for Logan especially because Helga was so lethargic and out of touch and ancient. I have her old room. And she bequeathed me a hoard of quilts. No. Homemade? Oh, yeah. They aren't good. That's so on brand that it's upsetting. How did the Territory Hall meeting go? Hall meetings are usually a pissing contest, but that... Was whack. Wasn't much of a contest. Oop, got him. Wait, what happened? Eller has apparated and, oh, <laughs> he's attempting to smile. He seems just as pleased with life as he did when Tara punched him with her staff. It has left a small red line. Tara eyes it, hoping her shame can projectile heal the wound. It does not. Eller! Hey! Eller boy! Hey. Hi, Eller. Fuck you guys, too. Hello, Agnes. Hey, you. Eller's eyes dilate. Agnes's mouth twitches. Interesting. Tara thinks. Noteworthy. I hint. Luciana has broken off from Logan. The siblings part ways for their mom. Ellie, Dune, and Eller exchange the I missed you pleasantries. She returns them with half a heart, quickly turning to Tara. There is no pleasantry, but Tara actually finds this rather satisfying. 
I've heard so much about you. Mostly good things. Have they been causing you trouble? I'm sure it's no more than the normal amount. Logan's arms wrap around his partner's waist as he inserts himself into the discussion. Dylan scrambles to join the cluster. Ellie beams, nestled between Mikhail and Dune. Eller broods beside Agnes. They all take a fairly awkward moment of silence, gazing hopefully and fearfully upon Tara. Ah, look, it's a full house meeting. Is this, are, are we doing a house meeting? Do you want me to take notes? No. Whatever Logan says next is missed by Tara, because the shadow is back. The one Tara had followed that morning with its gooping tendrils and relaxed stance, now it stands on the table. As she suspects, Tara is the only one giving it the time of day. It watches her, and when it has her attention, it touches its brilliantly blue arm to the dark bulb above. The room is bathed in a warm glow. Tara can now see that the walls are windows, the chairs cushioned. The light sheds no more clarity to the shadow. Ah, would you look at that? Lights back on, with or without your endless bitching about it. We just need to remember to dim it when we leave the room. Yeah, Eller. Blame Mikhail's drunk ass. I bet he left it on before he left. And you left it like that? For five days? I'm just glad I didn't have to climb to the roof and adjust the panel. Oh, you were never going to anyways. The shadow's shoulders shrink, water falling into its body. Dissatisfied? Its gangly arm withdraws from the fixture. The light flickers once, twice, then quickly. And the room is bathed in darkness once again. Ah, oh, would you look at that? Fucking mic. The solar panels. Fuck off, LR. You fuck guys just off. Was so fucking off, zooted. There's no way he would even remember to turn them off. It was always his fault. LR, you don't have to be so mean. You would have more power. It's not him. Tara watches this circle of interrogation with placidness. The shadow has gone, and now she can only see the low-lit faces of the Lyoth family, Agnes and Dylan. Dylan is taking notes of the dreadful things being said to each other, with a bit of a drag in his lip. Agnes watches with Tara, but something in her eyes enjoys it. Openly. Sides are taken. For what, though? Tara can't comprehend the battle. Are we still on about the light? Yep. This isn't really about the light. What do you mean? Tara isn't sure. Back in her room, after the argument had dissolved upon the mention of the work week ahead, Tara finds another quilt. She sets her pen to the paper, recalling the figure she had seen. Familiar, similar to the ones in the previous pages. And you know that feeling when you're at the beginning of a big grand something? There's a small moment where your stomach floats, and you feel weightless, and you know, you know that you have joined, or done, or begun something quite larger than yourself. As prophetess, Tara has acknowledged that part of her her entire life, but she hasn't felt the pending doom of it. Not yet. But now, well, Tara closes the book. She considers going to bed. The work week starts tomorrow, and that prophetic inquiry box was filled. But, of course, there's one loose end that needs some tidying up before she can get a full night of sleep. Tara answers the door. Logan Lyoth stands feverishly. His keys jingle lightly in his hands. Hey. Hey. What happened to my fucking car? This is the beta pilot of The Average Folks, episode one. Written and devised by Elise Bradford. Directed by Hope Bellinger. Recording engineered by Matthew Martin. Workshop cast, Annalie Kuhn as Tara. Grayson Roll as Logan. Caleb Kirkevold as Dylan. Ali Schlechter as Luciana. Lydia Christ as Ellie. Luke Peters as Eller. Danny Walker as Dune. Jonathan Billington as Mike. Liz Herbert as Willow. Emma Johnson as Agnes, Elise Bradford as narrator, Jenny Fournier as the person speaking right now. Important notes. Elise did most of the sound editing using programs that she had learned like a week ago. 
it's defo not top tier. It's a framework and hopefully enticing for someone much better at the craft to hit her up. If you want more information on the project, to get involved or offer feedback, visit our website averagefolks.wordpress.com or email us directly at averagefolksofficial at gmail.com. Workshopped at George Fox Theatre University, 2020.